Welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. If you would just take a quick second and please hit the subscribe button. It means so much to me and the team for all the hard work we put into these episodes to get the guests that we do. And the more subscribers we have, the better job we can do for you. So please hit subscribe. Today on the show, dun, da, 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 I mean, this is a big deal. David Wilcock is on the phone. He has not done an interview in two years. You might recognize him from Ancient Aliens. He's a filmmaker, he's a professional lecturer, he's an author, and he's a researcher of ancient civilizations. He's been in the UFO community and talking about it and exposing it for so long. All of this started for him in the late 90s. We talk about deep state, we talk about UFOs, we talk about ancient civilizations, we talk about cataclysms, we talk about where things are going on this planet, consciousness, and what will help us just get to the next level. And also, some new secret technologies that are available. I have a feeling that the community that watches this will love it. Please let me know what you think in the comments. I love reading those. I love hearing if you have any stories and just what you think. Where do you think the planet's going? Let me know. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. It's something that we do from a young age, whether we work out, the food that we eat, how we prepare our mind. This is all part of becoming a great athlete. And one thing that I do every single morning is I drink AG1. I do it before I have coffee. I do it before I eat any food. I really feel like for me, it's helped my gut health. It's made my stomach just feel like less bloated and more calm throughout the day. It handles all foods so much better. I'm putting like 75 high quality ingredients into my body first thing in the day, which makes a huge difference. Even if I'm traveling, I use the travel packs. I was in Europe for six weeks. Every single day, I put AG1 into my body. So if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then AG1 is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash pretty intense. That's drinkag1.com slash pretty intense. Check it out. I've been following you for so long. I have uh, listened to so many different, you know, movies and interviews and all kinds of various different things. And the last time I listened to something that you put out there was, it was when COVID had just happened, I'm sitting there on the beach in Malibu. And I watched the live stream. It was like you did like an maybe over three hour live stream kind of video. And it was right talking about, yeah, right at the beginning. And it was, you were talking about all the things that, you know, you've been talking about that are coming to fruition and what is coming down the pipeline. And one of the things was about like a sort of a technical shutdown where computers and services will just go down. And so from that point on, anytime like Twitter or Instagram or something shut down, I thought, this is it. It's coming. The whole shutdown's coming. Um, but that was the last time. Sorry about that. <laughs> that no, it well, maybe it'll happen someday. I mean, I can't imagine. It's happen, it I, think. I mean, it probably will. So that was the last time I heard much from you. So what the heck have you been doing? Life has gotten really interesting with uh, David Grush testifying in Congress that right. UFOs are real and that he was part of this uh, group in the National Reconnaissance Office where he came across information that there are multiple crashed UFOs. And unfortunately, a lot of people in the Patriot community have poo-pooed this whole thing and been rather uh, dismissive of it. 
and said, well, it's just a distraction from other things that are going on. But I would say that the realization of UFOs as something that's not science fiction, but is truthful, will have enormous ramifications on every single aspect of our society, the way we live. Mm -hmm. And probably one of the biggest ones is the sudden quantum leap in technology that we will have once the things that have been classified are no longer kept classified. I'm working in an aerospace company, and this is the SM-39 Razor. This is our own design. It's a proprietary, unique jet airplane design. And this is going to be the fastest air aircraft ever made. It's going to go Mach 4. And what we're doing here is we are revolutionizing several different types of, of technology. I decided to go beyond just being somebody who talks about UFOs and let's put my money where my mouth is and build something. I've worked for many years. Uh, obviously, as your listeners might know, I've done Ancient Aliens. I'm in over 100 episodes of the show, and they run it pretty much all day, Friday and Saturday on History Channel. So oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Fridays are for ancient aliens. <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the three words you hear the most are, are you David? I mean, I'm cool about that. I, you know, when, when people want to meet me, I, I'm, I'm usually really nice. I've almost never been a jerk. And if there's a few times I was, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes I'm just overwhelmed if it's an event. I've done this ancient aliens thing and and it made me into a very significant public figure just by virtue of the fact that i don't know any other show that's getting that much replay uh where it's on television all the time there is a deep fascination even i can see this within my show when there's an episode and when there's a guest that's talking about ufos and aliens and even spirituality and just more esoteric topics people really really want to know about it well, it's something that affects us in such a dramatic fashion. Uh, once you understand that you're not alone in the universe, all these new avenues of exploration open up. Uh, hmm. We find out that these pyramids would be a pretty ideal thing to do if you came to a planet from somewhere else and you didn't want to tow a big trailer behind you when you got there. You know, you want to build something when you got there and you want to build something that's going to last. And if you have anti-gravity, you could direct the same gravitational reduction that you're putting on your own craft that causes it to levitate. You could do it on blocks of stone, right? And it appears that they also have some method that allows them to make stone pliable at room temperature. So it's essentially like a liquid and you can, you know, sculpt it. And then when you turn the beam off, it hardens and you got, that's what I think is going on in in Peru. That's one of the things that's probably the biggest ancient alien blockbuster of all. You know, you mm. go out to Peru, it's at 13,000 foot altitude, you can barely breathe up there, and they've got this wall that's made out of these rocks that have eight foot wide cracks that are just pushed together as yeah. if they were all mushed together like balloons. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. crack between the rocks is so thin, you can't put a credit card in there, you can't even fit a hair in there. There's no mortar. It's all just been kind of like fitted that way. And so to, to try to even suggest that somebody would have the time or the patience to carve that is ridiculous. It had to have been that the stones were levitating and just kind of mushed together because they were soft. So then you got to say to yourself, okay, wow, what does that mean about everything that we thought we knew? And if you don't 
think far enough back into history, then you might miss a lot of big clues. You know, you might miss the fact that the Japanese had a very large budget and they wanted to build a Great Pyramid mock-up at one-fifth the size, 500% smaller, with the very best laser-controlled technology, the cranes, you name it, they could not get it to work. So the Great Pyramid is something that is completely beyond any capacity that we could have used with technology today. And I think what's even more outrageous is when it was first constructed, it had mirror-polished white stone on the outside. Right. It looked like a marble gleaming, perfect alien structure in the desert. And it was only actually some earthquakes that occurred in the early, uh, late 1300s, early 1400s that knocked them down. And then they went and were used for mosques in Cairo. What about the tops? There was a piece of gold up there. And, and I think that got stolen by somebody. Who do you think it was? I mean, Egypt has been through a few different rounds, and there was a, a high point in their civilization called Zeptepi, which was the first time. How far back do the rounds go when you say rounds? Because you don't just mean like the Romans and Egyptians. You mean like, you mean general civilizations in history. So typically they call it uh, the Pyramid of Cheops, and then the one next to it is supposedly the Pyramid of Kephren, and the third smaller one is the Pyramid of Menkare. Now these are Egyptian pharaohs in a more recent dynasty uh, and Cheops, the, the, the connection that Cheops built the tomb is extremely weak. And Zechariah Sitchin did an amazing breakdown on that where uh, Sir Flinders Petrie was the guy who supposedly found these quarry marks inside the king's chamber uh, that said that Cheops built the pyramid. And this was when he'd run out of money. He was going to have to go back to England empty-handed. Uh, you know, everybody was really depressed because they were hoping to find inscriptions in the king's chamber. They'd opened it up for the first time. Nobody had been in there before. They didn't mm. find anything. So all of a sudden, on the last day in this little tunnel that he dug himself, he finds these cave markings on the wall that were at just the right angle for him to have done it with his own hand with red paint. And it had all the mistakes consistent with E.W. Wallace Budge's classic book on Egyptian hieroglyphics for that time. So all the mistakes that Budge made in the classic hieroglyphic book, hmm. he was copying out of that and trying to say Cheops built the pyramid, he hmm. made the same mistakes. Uh, whoops! That's the only piece of evidence they've ever gotten that says Cheops built the pyramid. Oh, wow. So it's, and it's, it's so easily debunked, and Sitchin did an amazing job on that. It's in his book, Genesis Revisited. So... When we get to what really was happening, if you talk to uh, so somebody like Robert Boval, of course, you've probably heard of the Giza alignment. Mm -hmm. And this is where the pyramid of the three pyramids we were just talking about are the same in the size and position as the three stars in the belt of the constellation Orion. Right. And then you have other parts of the constellation Orion that also add up to where the pyramids are located. And as an even greater bonus, the location of the Nile River precisely corresponds to the Milky Way galaxy. Mm -hmm. So this appears to be intentional, but what's really cool about it is that because of the Earth wobbling over 26,000 years in this so-called precession of the equinoxes, in that uh, movement, you have one degree 
every 72 years where the stars drift by one degree every 72 years if you look at it on the equinox, which is why if you try to align any type of pyramid or stone monument to the stars, you're going to be screwed after 72 years. It's already off by one degree. People are mad at you. They're going to chop your head off if they were not very kind. But <laughs> but then it dates it based on the degree. It gives you a time window where you yeah. can say, wait a minute, when is the... When does the Nile River line up with the Milky Way, right? Mm -hmm. When does all that stuff happen? And it happens in 10,450 BC, mm -hmm. which is not supposed to be part of the conventional dating era. And if we want to go ancient aliens for a while, we've now got this other area in uh, Turkey, which is Gobekli Tepe. Yeah. And they found multiple stone circles that they know couldn't have been buried underground until 13,000 years ago. So whatever the civilization was in Turkey predated 13,000 BC. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to go through this whole process as a society where the, the typical delineation of that nothing before 5,000 years ago, right. other than cavemen, <laughs> right, right. That didn't, that, that's not the way it is. I mean, it just, bothers me when people are, are are really think there's no proof that there's obviously been other technology i don't know what what it was was it aliens were we a more sophisticated race have we had resets based on being wiped out or some other sort of technology that would reset us i don't necessarily know i have my own feelings but the proof is everywhere. All you have to do is just walk around any European city, walk around Egypt for a second, look at a pyramid, look at how gigantic it is. Look, go to Machu Picchu and say, how did they get those stones up there? Why are they so perfectly melted together? Like, like the proof is everywhere. And I just don't understand why people wonder so much. So how can we be so blind? How can... How is that possible? Were, was our consciousness not at a point that we could accept any more truth than whatever we were given? Or is this been sort of like a reboot from, you know, baseline civilization, kind of a human, and we've had to we've had to just evolve to the point where we can understand it? Well, we have to remember that we have animal bodies. And so all of the different types of uh, plants, animals, birds, and fish that we see on Earth are about 99% the same as us in our DNA. <laughs> DNA variations, and this is one of the things I talk about in my new books, the DNA variations are very, very minute. And so we like to think of ourselves as something entirely different than animals. And in fact, if you study like behaviorism and psychology and especially body language, you can learn how people tell you things that they don't want you to know by how they hold their bodies and by how they use their face. And I've learned those things a long time ago. I read a book on body language in seventh grade. It was uh, Body Language by Dr. Julius Fast. So I was amazed at how many of these things are happening that people don't understand. And like, for example, the way that people cross their legs when they're sitting together was one of the things he talks about and how you'll cross your leg and point your foot towards the person who you are in favor of. And uh, he was also talking about signs that women do subconsciously when they're trying to drive a man away. 
And it's it's these kind of crossing, like if they cross their hands like this or if they cross their legs. It's, of course, it had a lot of the stuff that is commonly seen about, you know, pupillary dilation. He talks about that. So the, the point is, once you really understand psychology, we have a lot more in common with the animal kingdom than we want to believe. And this includes our desire to go along with a pack consciousness, a group consciousness. And what we've seen time and time again, especially in the recent past, is it's very difficult for people to truly individuate, to have their own their own perspective that is not something they want to feel confident that they're going along with what everybody else says, but they've actually been able to make up their own mind and make their own decision. So it's an interesting thing because Ancient Aliens is now a very popular show. You know, they were spending north of 350K per episode. So it's very good budget, very nice production value, and it's so much of it. It's out there all the time. And so it's kind of just become mainstream now. But we're still not really adding that to textbooks or any type of normal discourse like what you and I are having now. It's still considered kind of like this fun thing to check into before you sort of take it off like a suit and put it in the closet and go back to reality. No, obviously there are egos involved, but then there's probably something else. And it's the something else that I'm really curious about, the more nefarious sort of reasons within, you know, government or certain global companies that are running the world, um, media outlets, the few that really run all of the media. You know, what is the goal there? Central banking, I, I mean, the commodities of the world, like, why would we be better off not knowing? Uh, we would be better off not knowing for them because they'd keep making money the way that they're making money. And it's assumed that as soon as there's new technology, there's new there's new wealth and new control in the world. And it's not them. Well, when Danica Patrick asks you about the deep state on YouTube, what do you say? Everything. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you all about the entrails and how they like to wear it around their neck. It's awesome. <laughs> No, I'm joking, of course, but uh... let's just joke about everything. Let's talk about all the reptilians in power and things. Well, like you that. wanted to go there. I mean, it's like, OK, wow, a woman wants to talk about that. That's kind of amazing. I mean, most people shy away from this. How are we ever going to heal if you don't face the shadow? Right. I mean, each one of us has character deficits that are based upon where we stand in the universe as opposed to the overall design of what things are and how it works here. For me, the, the UFO question is always a philosophical one, and it gets into, are there philosophical teachings that we can put into practice in our own lives that will actually make us kinder and more compassionate and more forgiving and patient people, while at the same time creating an evolution into some type of metahuman? Uh, and apparently the reason why this is happening is that all of the research I've done over the years, the, to me, it's not even really about extraterrestrials. It's about what is the universe? What is the universe? What the heck are we living in? And is mm -hmm. it real? A lot of the concepts of the matrix do apply to a scientific understanding of the universe. We've now found out through the work of a physicist named Dr. Nima Arkani Hamed, that you can build the entire universe off of a small, minute geometric pattern. 
And that from that minute pattern, which looks like the Star of David in three dimensions, is basically the Hebrew Star of David. You take the Hebrew Star of David, and you can create the whole universe of space and time. And then what the physics actually says is that it's as if we're like, like 30 frames per second in a can, right? There's a film, and when the film runs through the projector, there's 30 frames per second. It looks like I'm talking to you. But there's just right. one frame where I'm like this and one frame where I'm like this. And so right. the whole universe is blinking on and off like that in space and in time. One of the first times I tried an edible and my I was trying to convey this information while laughing and saying, I'm losing frames. And I was like, I'm losing frames. Like I like blink and all of a sudden I'm here now. I'm like, I'm losing my mind. Like I'm losing frames. I'm missing, I'm missing, missing information. Did you have a smear in your vision? Like when you wave your hand? Um, Probably. I don't remember. Yeah, that's called trails. I mean, that's a, yeah. if you take enough of an edible and, you know, you'll get that psychedelic quality and the psychedelic experience can include, you know, the brain is, is belaguered by whatever substance you took and the frame rate goes down, you know? So yeah, yeah. you'll actually oh, yeah. experience that frame dropping. Yeah. Uh, but that is our nature of reality. It Everything is just frames, right? Like it's not, we are not a continuous motion. It's frames. Is this, is this how you see it? Now we're getting into really f hair splitting, but yeah. So check this out. There is a reality that we wake up into when we wake up into our body in the morning. And then when you go to sleep, you're putting your body down. It's like you take off a pair of shoes and you leave by the side of the bed. When you're not in your body, you're having all these other experiences in these other realities. Mm -hmm. But while you are in this body, you are bound by the rules within this illusion. So the illusion will persist. We do have space and time. That does exist in this reality. However, if you really get into the esoteric physics of this and the science of it, the universe itself is the logos and the logos is what the bible says is the term word so uh in in john in the book of john you have in the beginning there was the word mm -hmm. and the word was god and the word was with god it's so it's like wait a minute the word was god and the word was with god so the, the esoteric explanation of that is that we have a conscious universe, which is a one infinite creator. And then we also have a conscious galaxy. And so we have to stop looking at stars as just being these blobs. And they're actually far more intelligent super beings than we are. And they give host to planets that have intelligent life like us. Mm -hmm. And there is actually a universal law of, uh, honoring each other's free will. And if you violate other people's free will, you're going to get karma. So for me, the basic thing we all have to learn is that if you love each other, you're actually going to not suffer. You're not going to get that car crash. You're not going to get that bankruptcy or that sudden mm -hmm. betrayal. And instead, things will start to work out for you. So it does appear again if you get to like Tibetan Buddhism and this kind of stuff that there is a way in which you can meditate as if you become empty awareness. That's the two key words in the Tibetan thing is empty awareness. So you you project yourself into the vision of what you're seeing. So like in Tibet, they would be in the mountains. They look out at a mountain view. 
They imagine that they are the mountains, they are the sky, they are the clouds. Mm -hmm. And then they say that all of that, once they feel like they have become everything around them, then they say all of that emanated from the empty awareness. And if you meditate on that and you don't have any angry thoughts for 13 years, <laughs> then you get to have a rainbow body activation and you basically turn into a superhero and your body turns into, into light. The rainbow body, I feel like I've seen it, seen images. They, you, you're sort of like your, your human body shrinks because, well, we're not really, we're just, uh, we're just energy anyway. Normally you would expect when somebody dies, they leave behind an intact skeleton and the skeleton is life size. You don't expect it to be smaller and you don't expect yeah. it to shrink. So there's something very strange happening with, with the rainbow body phenomenon. Uh, there was a Catholic priest uh, named Father Francis Tiso. He was sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, IONS or IONS. He went over to Tibet and there was a, a, a lama who was going to attain rainbow body. And Father Tiso was there and he observed this. Oh my and God. they've also done this with uh, military observers. Wow. They've, they've scientifically documented that this is a reality that you have an old man and they wrap him up when, so so he knows when he's going to die first of all he just closes yeah. his eyes and he kind of leans back and his body is gone wow there's a protocol at that point where you wrap him up in these very colorful silk uh fabrics but after he starts sitting there very strange things begin to happen the body's interred okay it's wrapped up in the fabric People have looked through the fabric, and what they find out is that the face reverses its aging. It looks like a young face first. All the lines seem to go away, which is like, yeah, I love that. Okay. <laughs> Let's <laughs> just then, a little rainbow, just a little rainbow body. <laughs> yeah, and they begin seeing rainbows around the body. They begin seeing rainbows around the building. They hear weird melodic music coming through. And then the, the the llama starts appearing to people in as like a ghost. Uh -huh. uh, so this, and then after the after the course of seven days, in in one of there's a couple different varieties of how this happens. But in one of the varieties, the body has now shrank down to a little figurine about this big, right? And it's it's basically ash, and it's in the shape of a human body, roughly, but very roughly. And what they do, and there's lots of these displays around Tibet, is they actually dress it up in little clothes and put it in a little altar because the, the, the person left it behind, you know. There, there was a, a leak from Tulku Urgyen Rinpoche in a book called Rainbow Painting, where he said that you have to do it for 13 years. You have to meditate on empty awareness for 13 years and not have negative thoughts. And, you know, I mean, in an American society, modern society we're in now how are you going to get even one day oh my God. i got angry before we ever got on camera you know <laughs> things weren't working with my gear now i got to talk to you well, i mean that that that's it actually i mean it's funny and true and indicative of the culture that we live in which is so distracting yeah we're we're in a culture that is competing for attention and money you know everything is trying to listen to you it's it's so bizarre now like I, I said, you know what? I don't want to look up Danica Patrick because if I do, I'm probably going to have advertisements that show you to me all the time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to like experience you that way, you know? Okay. Okay. So, um, cause it's, uh, 
so there's a there's a lack of privacy and and a lot of people just sort of feel comfortable with that or they did up until it starts to really affect your life in a negative way and so you you did ask me about the deep state and that kind of thing um but what i'm saying is before we get to that just to cap off this philosophical discussion the tibetan research is conclusive we, you have padmasambhava was the so-called second buddha and he had some 30 plus disciples who all were able to levitate up into the air with him as a result of following these practices so hmm. we know that when you strive to live as lovingly and as compassionately as possible with a disciplined personality that there are superhuman things that start to happen to you they call them city powers s i d h i yeah. mm -hmm. and the cities are a very interesting thing that is very consistent as people go through this process and the pyramid has the king's chamber in it with the sarcophagus and that appears to be a technology that can create the rainbow body activation oh really it was a sarcophagus for sure yeah. or was it did it hold the ark of the covenant like i mean there's a lot of a lot of thoughts about that well, too. i wrote in my third book i guess the ascension mysteries that the the measurements of the ark of the covenant as described in the old testament are precisely identical to the king's chamber sarcophagus. Right. Now that's weird because the sarcophagus hadn't been discovered yet officially mm -hmm. okay. until Caliph al-Mamun bored a hole through and got in there okay. in the early AD. Okay. So what the heck are we doing with the Old Testament having the same measurements? Well, there was a secret entrance that they priests were using to get up into that chamber. And so that the, that those measurements were the result of secret knowledge in the Old Testament. But when we look at the pyramid structure, we've had modern experience with building them in Russia. And we see that they have incredible benefits to people's health. The most striking study was, um, well, there's lots of things. You could take uh, carcinogen, inject carcinogen into mice. You have a control group that you put them outside the pyramid and let's say 70% of them die of cancer. Only 7% of them in the pyramid will die of cancer. Oh, wow. I'm sure you've been in it many times. Well, I've, I'm in a log home here. And the reason why I got one is that I wanted to have that pyramid power because you don't want any metal. So my house is alive. It's just these thick, beefy logs. <laughs> you don't want metal? Not if you're going to have a pyramid, no, because okay. it'll absorb these unique fields. It's, the tr it's, it's one of the ways you could talk about it is it's the transverse wave. There's this uh, natural energy that the pyramid is built to harness. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I have you heard of um, like bio, bio, bio um, geometry, and how there's sort of like a green, like with certain patterns, there'll be materials. There's like a green, a negative green, and a positive green, and one is kind of detrimental to your health, and one is positive. I've done a lot of work on matter and what is matter and it really does appear that our our solution comes in sacred geometry and that we're going to learn that uh it's not really a particle as much as it's sort of like standing wave and what that means is it's a wave that rotates it within itself and holds its position mm -hmm. so it's kind of just standing there in space but it's got motion inside of it mm -hmm. and so we're not Sacred geometry is is such a huge subject. Uh, we can get into the fact that there was a Professor Henry Markram 
who conducted the most advanced uh, analysis of the brain and concluded that the brain is processing thought in these three-dimensional patterns. The cubes, tetrahedrons, uh, octahedrons are the three that he specifically found in his paper. And so when we see that the, the mechanism of our consciousness, the actual mapping out of thought, creates these sacred geometric patterns, which are the same patterns that exist in matter, this explains why somebody like Padmasambhava was able to go around and push his hand into the rock and leave a handprint or a footprint. And that's a, that's a classic miracle that these Tibetan lamas would, would create once they had achieved a certain level of the rainbow body activation. They were uh, able to match the frequency, match the... In the same way as I was saying with Sakse Waman, where they had some type of technology that could melt those stones together, just mush them together like that. When you get to this level of consciousness like Padmasambhava had, you, you can change the matter phase of the stone and, and, and work with it as if it was a liquid. He could, he could wave his hand and create a pattern, like a raised relief pattern on rock, like he just etched it all out over the course of hours, and it would just appear in solid rock. And there's several of these all over the place in Bhutan, Tibet, Nepal, India, you know, that people went around doing this and they build shrines there. So you go there and you throw money in there and you see the footprint or the handprints all over the place. There's there's dozens of them, actually. The nature of this reality is just so much more than what we understand. What do you think the next step of understanding more of the nature of this reality will be that'll take us to the next phase of humanity, the next technical ev revolution, evolution? What do you think that will be? Well, it's happening. Um, with the aerospace company that I'm working on here, I have a guy who, my own insiders, I, I, I've spent many years developing credibility online uh, as this personality who talks about UFOs. I had a website in 1999. I really didn't do anything else. Um, wasn't watching television. I mean, most of the television shows I'm in, I've never seen. I've only probably watched 7% of my own shows because I just, <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> I mean, I would probably like to watch them, but I just don't have time. So uh, I just haven't really seen much television. But what I have done is I'm like an information junkie. I'm addicted to information. And I've been cramming all this stuff into my head. So I had real insiders start to contact me after I went public with a website in 1999. The first really genuine insiders I met who, who well, no. No, it was as early as 2002 that I began meeting some really high-octane insiders. I had a guy who we can now say his name. His name was Bruce Perrett. He was a physicist. And he showed up when I was living in Louisville, Kentucky, to live in our little community. I was with l, &L Research. These are the people that did the Law of One. Law of One is my own spiritual source text. I find it, you know, a very uniquely beneficial uh, source of, of information. So I actually went out and lived with them for two years uh, in... 2002 through 2004. And so Bruce showed up while we were there and he had worked on the Montauk project. And he made me come up with a cover story. So the cover story was that I met him at a Denny's in Albany, but the truth was he was living with us. And so I got to talk to him extensively and you find out that, wait a minute, there's this whole strange thing going on 
And I mean, if, if, if all you can wrap your head around, and I know I'm not, I'm speaking to the colloquial you, Danica, not to you personally. If all you as the colloquial you can wrap your head around is, I wonder if Roswell really happened, right? You don't understand what's going on here. There's been this 80-year technological exploitation process underway, and we have, if you want to call it this, you could say there's Americans in something like 63 different locations around the galaxy. We uh, we already have bases in our galaxy. We already have working spaceships. We have facilities on the moon. We have facilities on Mars, other satellites in our solar system. And what's even more outrageous than that, of course, it's all been kept secret, is that we are in that in those programs, in those classified programs, we are actively in contact with extraterrestrials. And they interact with us much like the cantina scene in Star Wars. Right. Like a galactic, the Galactic Federation. Yeah, that's real. And uh, I mean, you've done a lot of stuff with Corey Good, and I'm sure that, you know, from your own experiences and intuition and visions, and as well as Corey's and probably others, there's a lot of corroboration. Oh, yeah. I mean, what we did with Cosmic Disclosure was to talk about something that I believe actually happened to me as well. At the time that we were doing the show, I hadn't really put it all together yet, but it does appear that if you if you are picked up by a UFO as an abduction experience, that you could be taken away for a significantly long time, maybe even years, and then not remember anything when they bring you back because they can splice you back in to the moment that you left. Timeline wise. So that's wise. one of the really odd aspects of this of this whole new uh, technology is that we are going to have to deal with the paradoxes of time travel. Right, because it's not the same. It's not a linear thing in all of the universe, and time space reality is just here. And from what I understand, there's interesting stuff about this technology that you guys are working on with the spaceship program that includes sort of being able to break that sort of um, mechanism that creates this reality. Very much so. Uh, the you know, if you're looking at an extraterrestrial spaceship, you obviously have solved the energy crisis because they have enough fuel to get here and not run out of gas right <laughs> right right that's the first thing that comes to mind is like you get there but you can't get back you know so there's got to be some kind of uh endless renewable energy source that is never ending and it's it's definitely real we're, we're living in this reality that is underwritten by these extraterrestrials they're not just here uh, you know, to hang out, they're actually paying attention to us. They're essentially what we could think of as angelic beings. Mm -hmm. And there are also some very bad ones. So we have, uh, you go back to Disclosure Project 2001, Dr. Stephen Greer was at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. And he brought forward at that time on May 10th, 2001, or May 9th is the one that he, I went to the one on May 10th. So on May 9th, 2001, they had 39 witnesses come forward in the National Press Club. And it got a lot of attention at the time. Uh, it was quickly overshadowed by 9-11. But for its time, it was a very significant thing. And I was there on the May 10th event because I'd been on the Art Bell show and I got in as a VIP. So I got to speak to these insiders. And it was very amazing because we had members of Congress in the audience and everybody was doing standing ovations. 
as these guys are talking about things like seeing architecture on the moon, you know, and talking about retrieving uh, UFO occupants who are alive and having this Sergeant Clifford Stone described having this telepathic experience of melding minds with the being that was in the ship. He, he didn't break down on May 9th, but he broke down crying on stage on May 10th. And he had to walk off the stage in the corner and cry. And I mean, the audience was just galvanized. People are ready for this information. That there was a, a colonel who was read into this much more secret level of the universe than he was. He was part of this crash retrieval team, but they kind of kept him ignorant. He was shown a three-inch thick binder that described 57 different varieties of extraterrestrials that are visiting Earth right now. And they mostly, they predominantly look human. So they have eyes, nose, mouth, ears. You know, a lot of them are going to have bigger eyes. A lot of them might not have hair, uh, but they're not as different looking as you would think. Are they walking amongst by visiting? Is it something where they can somewhat blend in or are they visiting more shipwise? And I've had various insiders who seem to be aware of this, the, the, the interchange program. As far as I know, there's only ever maybe 10 or 20,000 of these humans on Earth at any one time. It might be upwards of 100,000. I'm not really sure. I know that they're all monitored very closely. I probably know a few. <laughs> well, one of the things I was told, I'm, I'm going to release this now. I've never said this before, but uh, Jacob, one of my insiders, told me that the body scanners at the airport can also read for un unusual physiology. And that they're tracking immigration. And if somebody shows up here who doesn't belong, they have that. And then they have some other things I won't go into where they're going to find you. You know, if you have different organs in your body or something like that, they're going to, you can't just really blend in, you know. Mm. So um, all that stuff is very tightly monitored and we're not in any danger. It's all been based on treaties and, and whatnot. And like Galactic Federation treaties. Treaties with us, uh, us with extraterrestrials, with the Federation that are agreements. Yeah. Okay. You could argue about the constitutional validity of those, considering they were made with co covert military organizations, you know, uh, but they do exist. They're not something that we got to hear about or vote on, but they do exist. There are agreements in place. So Sergeant Stone said there was 57 varieties. And in my new in my new books, the Michael Prophecy books, this is book six now. I've got a whole thing at the beginning about this. Uh, we have what appears to be uh, six that are bad, and then fifty one that are good. Wow. And that appears to be where this is coming from. So the six that are bad, we have a fairly good amount of information on those guys. They, they're centered in the constellation Orion, so a lot of times they're called the Orions. So there was like a thing in Italy, the friendship case in Italy is a human ET contact case. And they said, yeah, you know, the bad guys are in Orion. The law of one says the bad guys are in Orion. So everybody seems to say the bad guys are in Orion. Yet there's so many so many things that are aligned with Orion as if it's very significant. The, the way that that constellation is built, those are very nearby stars. And because they're all clustered like that, it creates a kind of energetic cone for the Earth. So we have that in place, and that would be why the negative would want to go there. They want to go wherever the action is. If there's high energy, high juice, they want to be there. So they're going to move in on that land and try to set up their own trailer park in there. And that's what they did. 
So the star Rigel, which is the bottom right, there's just it's a it's a whole reptilian infested solar system. And um these reptilians look human-like, but they are extremely frightening in appearance. And we've had lots of kind of depictions of them in our popular mythos. The most reliable information that I've gotten on, on the way they look is it's not exactly like the human face. It, it kind of, it, this part of the face does punch forward a little bit like this. So the mouth kind of comes out almost like Planet of the Apes. That's sort of, they do have this kind of protruding face like this. But when they open up that mouth, it's 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 hideous, sharp teeth, Oof. and they are they have vertical slit pupils. Their eyes will either be like yellow or orange or red, so they're scary looking. Why did why is there so much conspiracy around reptilians being here, being shapeshifter reptilians? Well, I don't believe in the shapeshifter reptilian part, except as so to say that when people practice black magic, they have hallucinations. And I believe that there's some type of conduit in which hallucinations, well, in which entities from the lower astral plane present themselves in hallucinations. And I think that when people have seen a shape-shifting event on someone's face, it's not that the flesh moved, it's this kind of hallucinatory overlay if somebody is uh, wittingly or unwittingly collaborating with these types of creatures. Uh, yeah. well, they're matching the energy of that entity. When we talk about spiritual reality in general, one of the things I just learned in, in a recent briefing is that uh, this physical reality of space and time, this illusion, uh, is very attractive to those in the spiritual realm, both the negative and the positive. Everybody wants to be here. You know, it's it gets boring in the spiritual reality when you don't have a body and you don't have any continuous experience and you don't really have to worry about anything because you know what's going to happen in the future. And it's all kind of all laid out for you. You know, there's no game anymore. There's no, there's no winning and losing. You know, you're, you're in competitive sports. I mean, there's not, there's no competition anymore. So David, we totally signed up for this. We did every tough time we go, we signed, I signed up for this. I did. Right. And I signed up for the toughest, tougher job. I signed up for a tough one. It's, it's really tough to be a public figure and it's really tough to be seen by lots of people. And I get that. I mean, you know, are you David are the three words I hear the most, as I said, so uh, when we get to the intrinsic truth of higher consciousness, there are laws in the universe where if you have positive thoughts, positive beings can strengthen those thoughts. And if you have negative thoughts, negative beings can strengthen those thoughts. In our galaxy, there's a further rule that gets us in even more trouble, which is the permeability of dimensions. And that means that our galaxy has a law in place that allows angels to show up in the room and meet you in person. But by virtue of how the universe works on a principle of balance, it also means that demons can manifest. That only occurs in the context of, of, uh, of a human offering, if you will. And most people never do anything that sick and crazy. So, the, you know, Aleister Crowley, if you go back and you look at his, his work, well, he, he was in touch with a being called Lam. L-A-M. And if you look that up, it's a gray. Okay. What I got in a briefing in 2021 was that Lam taught Aleister Crowley how to properly do black magic in order to allow demonic lower astral beings to manifest in the room. And then they channel through one of the people in the room. And also you'll get very strange, disturbing things like people shape-shifting. They might appear to look like animals for a while. 
all kinds of crazy things can happen in these in these ceremonies. And thank God I never was dragged in any of this in in my waking life. Uh, but yeah, there there does appear to be, you know, like this is the big secret. Why are people doing all this crazy stuff with children and, and sacrifice and and blood? And the answer is because it's, it creates results. You see something. Well, you see something. Very Do you dramatic. Get power very from scary. it. Very scary. You hear it. You see it. You smell it. It's a being that shows up in the room. So is there power that they generate from it? Do they, are they given? Yeah, it talks this... to you and it asks you what you want, you know? And so it's basically like Mephistopheles and Faust and it says, how can I help you? You know, what can I do to, 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 to satisfy your wishes? And it's, but so it also is actually, soul. it says it wants your soul. Yep. Selling your so soul. Like who would be stupid enough to play around with this stuff? But apparently people are Desperate doing it. People. Why does it seem like so much, there's so much more satanic symbolism going on right now, especially when you look at music industry and things like that. I mean, there it's not hidden in, in the slightest. They're red all over their bodies, blood everywhere, Satan horns. Like, I mean, it's, it's like very apparent. Well, Okay, we got to go back to Winston Churchill, and his quote was, Satan's greatest trick is convincing humanity that he does not exist. I have found out that in addition to the existence of good and evil extraterrestrials, that it's considered an acknowledged fact in these classified military programs that universal law permits entities to materialize in these ceremonies if you do them properly. And uh, so if you are that sick, you can get this to work. And then there is an interchange with this entity. And so once they see one of these, they make a sculpture out of it. And that's the gargoyle. So if you look at a building and it has these strange demons on the outside, that's because those beings showed up in there. And once that being starts to establish its presence, once you see it, if you see the gargoyle as you walk into the building, you look up at it. You're making a connection to that consciousness. Oh, yeah, totally. You know? Oh, and yeah. so they say that the gargoyles are the protectors of the building. Well, these are the demonic entities that they're invoking inside the building who will go after you if you try to shut down the operation. It's This is real stuff. I mean, it's sad that, you know, because it's so upsetting to people to think about this, but what these demons or these entities want more than anything, they call them demonics in the, in the military pro projects. What the demonics want is to have the earth for themselves. They want this to become a place where they are allowed to be here, where they can be in physical form. Because right now, universal law doesn't allow that to happen except in these mm. weird, evil ceremonies. If, if enough of us got excited about demons and said, yeah, you know what? I want to see one. I want to see one. How could we make that happen? You know, then they could start to do public manifestations like they were doing back in Rome where you sacrifice a bunch of people at once, they have a big arch, and then this entity pops up in the arch. Like you're watching TV, this thing just pops up like, whoa, what the hell is that? It's green and it's got horns. What the hell? You know? Well, that's what was happening. Wow. Well, I, um, I interviewed uh, Elizabeth April. I don't know if you've heard of her. She speaks about the Galactic Federation and various different things. And she tells a story that um, that the back, you know, many, many, you know, 10,000, 20,000 years ago, I'm not sure exactly how far, but a long time ago, that the Anunnaki and the reptilians were on the planet and the Galactic Federation came in and they said, 
all right, you guys got to go. And the Anunnaki said, sure, peace out. Um, we're gone. And the reptilians were like, no, 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 we don't want to leave. And they said, okay, but you can't be seen by the humans. And that's when they went underground and they operate through consciousness now. So they kind of still run the plant. They still kind of live here and run the planet through consciousness, but they're not seen necessarily. That, yeah, I mean, a lot of that is in the is definitely in the vicinity of truth. We're we're touching on it. I mean, the the reptilians apparently believe that they own the planet. They've got some type of claim that they say they have. Um, they appear to have. Okay, well, it's a strange story, but part of the briefings I've gotten is that the moon was put in place sixty five million years ago, and there's some debate as to whether it was then or a lot more recent, but. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they really know, but one of the theories is the moon was put in place to bring about the fall of the dinosaurs to create seasons. That the moon is a spaceship, that it could have, it was flown into position, it orbits the earth, and in so doing, mammalian life now predominates, whereas before it was reptilian life. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reptilians had, you know, the, the dinosaur species apparently did evolve into a hominid race that was intelligent that got wiped out when this took place the 65 million year ago incident yeah. mm -hmm. and they did get driven underground so that is a that is a classic element of the story but then the draco alliance the the negative ets say that you know we persecuted the reptilians we we you know traumatized them we drove them underground and now we have to pay tribute. We have to pay rent to be here. <laughs> and uh, so the the treaty, the negative treaty is that we're apparently giving them uh, humans as... Our meat suits. Yeah. For whatever they want to use us for, whether they want to dine on us or have us as workers or whatever. Wow. Um, they, we trade a certain number of humans per year. And uh, it's it's disturbing. And it's the kind of thing that once people get the absolute facts about it and they find out, you know, and nobody's holding your hand anymore, but they're saying, yeah, this is what's really going on. Well, how do you stay safe? If some, if some crazy reptile man could come and grab you, how do you stay safe? Well, again, this is all, we're in a spiritual reality and the, the, the negative side is pushing all this Satanism because it wants us to embrace it. And if enough of us embraced it, then it could become embodied on earth, you know, but it'll never happen. People do not like this and they don't, what we're seeing is the exposure of the negative. And this is right. a very, very fascinating and prolonged thing that's still ongoing where they've become so blatant that everybody is talking about it. Uh, we're, we can't ignore the sense of terror that these events are causing. We're, yeah. we're, we're left feeling very vulnerable and very concerned about, you know, is the world going to be safe or are these people going to win in whatever they're trying to do? And yeah, there is a negative evil consciousness. These, these entities from Rigel, these Draco reptilians, they want on any planet they go to, to create, you know, pentagrams and ritual magic and sacrifices and all this is just what they do. Wow. It, you know, it's it's just their culture. So is the Illuminati real and is the Illuminati sort of the indoctrinated um, ritualistic group of extensions of that Draco reptilian that are here to 
take over? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I, you, if you've ever, I'm not going to get specific, but if somebody Danica has ever come up to you and they shake your hand, but there's like something odd about their fingers while they're doing it. It's not quite a normal handshake, but there's something a little odd. They're pushing in. I'm not going to be specific, but if you ever have noticed something like that, like, well, they kind of came in weird or, you know, why were they pushing over there? Well, it's because handshakes are one of the most common ways in which people can find out if, if you are involved. So they might like do this particular grip, look you very intensely in the eyes and say, are you family? Are you family? Are you family? <laughs> look at her. I don't even want to like try to out you if that ever happened to you. But the point is it does. And they test for people. But if you don't have the right handshake or if you don't say, yes, I'm family or whatever right. it is, then, you know, they, they know that you're not. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of secrets they use to keep this thing hidden from people. But like, it's very sad because, you know, the they teach that betrayal is the first rule of the order. So even children are being traumatized very severely by their own parents. Uh, they're forced to go through MKUltra, hypnotic programming, torture programming, electroshocks. They, they almost all, basically all of them are going to go through some type of mind programming experiences and they don't really understand what they're working for. You know, the, the, the basis of the negative is deception. And so the negative tells you, if you work with us, we'll give you what you want. But in the process, you've lost your soul. And that's why every type of story that has to do with getting lower astrals to solve your wishes, it always turns out badly. So in my own experience, Danica, I've had multiple invitations to this group. I've had bribes in the billions of dollars that were offered to me. I mean, Greer's talks about getting bribed for billions too. I've interviewed him a couple of times. When you go out there and you're in, involved in this stuff like I am, they really would love to have you on their side. They really would love to have you as a mouthpiece. And, and so I was told, for example, that... I could do everything the way I do it now. And the only thing that I would have to do different in order to get this money is to, quote unquote, speak favorably about Lucifer. And they had this philosophy they wanted people to talk about, which is that, you know, well, Lucifer is is a benevolent, misunderstood angel. And God abandoned us up in heaven, but Lucifer stayed down here with us. Look, any God that tells you you got to go around hurting people is not a God I want to be involved with. Mm-hmm. This isn't just hurting people. This is like the most insane evil. And so for me to be able to wrap my head around how this type of stuff could be happening in the world, I went back to brain physiology. I looked at the at the physiology of the psychopath because I majored in psychology in college, and we found out that some people have this uh, condition in their brain where large parts of the brain don't even operate. They're not, there's whole entire regions of the brain that don't function. And this includes uh, most of the whole area of the frontal cortex. It includes the hippocampus. It includes um, all kinds of stuff. The in- insula is another one. There's a bunch of them. I, in my new book, I have 17 regions of the brain I found that all shut down. So. It turns out that once you have this type of a brain abnormality, you will typically have narcissism. You will typically have a very expanded sense of of yourself. But at your core, you have these maladaptive patterns that make you impossible to have a relationship with. Uh, You're competitive. You're 
um, you know, very jealous. They uh, they want to control other people, and they and they build up an elaborate deception. They lie. They create a false reality. They can mimic human emotions very well, but they don't really feel them the same way that we do. And so this is the criminal psychology. It's it's the psychology of a majority of all the people that are incarcerated. Most of them have psychopathy, statistically speaking. And and there are very real brain abnormalities that, you know, make them unable to evaluate the morality of their decisions. And, and when you're encountering these types of people, uh, it's it's very disconcerting because they're so good at telling you exactly what you want and making you feel like you're amazing and building up your ego. And you talked about like pain too. And I wonder if part of these brain shutdowns, another weird thing that you see people compile is these images of public figures that all have, you know, a black eye and it's always the left eye or something. And they all have like, I saw one recently that they all have a sprain, like an ankle boot, like on the same leg. Like it's like, Oh, maybe within these ritualistic practices, they're literally hurting each other. Like I don't, or some, something, I don't know. Well, you could get beat up too. I mean that, you know, people in these groups are not treated very well. Uh, even the, you know, the Rothschilds supposedly run this and they get treated like crap by the Draco. My, my insider Jacob was in the meetings where Draco would meet with the Rothschilds directly. And, you know, the, these, these, these aliens do not, respect us at all. They look at this as their property. They look at humans as uh, slaves and they don't, they don't care about us. They're not interested in making anybody rich or making anybody happy. And so it's not like if somebody has all this money from being in this group that they have a happy life, their life is so horrible. When you want to do these awful things, it's because your brain has been damaged and and there are ways in which the brain can heal. I mean, in my book, I talk about like yoga, breath work, meditation, athletic activity, going out in nature, all these things will actually reverse it over time. How do we shift out of this, shift the momentum in a direction? And I think it already is going that way. I think while people think it's worse than ever right now, it's also better than ever in some ways. Polarity, I think, is always at play. And I think that it's more, we know more than we've ever known for the for the better. It's negative things. So what is the what is the transition into this next phase where we get out of this reptilian sort of um control or influence and in, on our planet? And is this part of what the new earth concept is? I've asked so many people along the way, like, is this new, like, what is the new earth? Is that something that is part of this transition right now? And and how do we get there? What does that look like? This is definitely the right time to bring up Michael prophecies, which you would ask me to talk about before we got on the air. So um, it's a big subject, but I want to, I want to dive into it. So yeah, we talked about evil and we talked about the idea that there are these evil beings, but then I have a movie that's, that we're doing right now, a Hollywood film. The movie's called Levitation. And when I was doing Ancient Aliens, there was one thing that I was exp- explicitly forbidden by the parent network from ever discussing. They would not ever let me talk about it on the show. It's the idea that angels might be extraterrestrials or vice versa. I was explicitly forbidden from analogizing extraterrestrials and angels together. And why is that? So another thing that I was explicitly forbidden from talking about by any media entity 
was levitating saints. That's interesting enough. Okay, so it turns out that if you go back through time and you look at these people who were reading the Bible, and some, you know, I've already talked about Tibet, so it's not just Christianity. It can happen in other cultures too. But the point is, if you have a dedicated spiritual practice, which can include people that were Christian saints, there's people who get canonized. They get they they get sainted mm-hmm. because their body lifted up into the air in front of other people. There's cases of people making their faces glow with light, uh, and and like there, there's a lot of really specific, fascinating, unique information like this. And nobody will let you talk about it. You can't talk about it at all. So I made a, I'm made I'm working on this movie called Levitation, which goes into that. And the reason I'm bringing this up is that, again, we get into the concept that when you meditate on things like patience, forgiveness, love, uh, then you, you somehow become what the universe is is actually made of the 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 tibetans again said empty awareness is the is the nature of the universe so you're becoming that empty awareness you're becoming that uh consciousness which then allows you to have control over our illusion so that's the that's part of the positive side you know we we talk about evil we talk about demons we talk about reptilians blood drinking satanism oh my god it's so scary but then you got people levitating who are practicing reading the Bible. You got people in Tibet pushing their hands into the stone, pushing their foot into rock. And it's because not that they were going around being some jerk and killing people and trying to, you know, draw pentagrams, but because they're actually loving, patient, you know, and they they're they're doing their part to embody compassion in their essence. Mm. And so it appears that the real nature of why we're here is to learn those lessons. And so let's cut back to when my career started. I started out, I was born in 1973, so I'm 50 years old. I got online in 1996 and I first had, uh, Art Bell was was the big thing back then, the UFO community. And he was talking about remote viewing all the time that there were these military uh, protocols where you can screen out your conscious mind and pick up uh, a remote location and then look at that remote location with your mind's eye, whatever that is, and actually describe it correctly. Hmm. And the best remote viewers like Joe McMonigle would be 99% accurate. And they did this for decades. And they were and so, they were snatched up by government, right? They became part oh, of yeah. the military. They would look at you know enemy bases and things. Stanford Research International, SRI International. You know there was there was a whole branch of remote viewing coming out of that. Well, many years later, in two thousand nine, I met Dr. Pete Peterson, one of the insiders who is probably the highest ranking American insider I have, and. Uh, I mean, he worked in all kinds of really strange stuff, all kinds of exotic technology that's based on reverse engineering crashed UFOs. And it's it's considered common knowledge to them that there are these metahumans that used to be on Earth, that the Earth used to be populated by much more powerful beings than how we are now, that we fell from this state, and that we are going to return to that state. And that the events that are taking place on Earth right now are part of a great awakening. Mm. 
mm-hmm. which is very spring loaded. You know, like you think of Jack in the Box and you crank that wheel and bam, it eventually comes out. It, it, that's kind of like what's going to happen to us with our bodies. How will this occur? Like, what's the shift? Like, so let's say there's an there's a there's a there's a split. You know, the people that don't want to that don't have the consciousness level and the frequency to go to the next level, the next dimension, the next energy field, the new earth, that um, they'll maybe become invisible. Like as an energy, like we see and hear on such a small spectrum, maybe they just aren't part of our reality anymore, but they're here, right? But we're all living our own lives in different planes. Or will there be some kind of a actual planetary split and there'll be an environment that they just won't exist in and it'll be sort of like, and we'll just, we'll, maybe they'll disappear. We'll wake up and they'll be gone. And it'll be like a, a great mental reset where we get like, it's a men in black. You hit the button and you don't remember. Like maybe there's just a splice in time. Like you say, you get picked up on a ship and you come back and they splice you right in. Are we just going to get spliced into a new reality and we won't know there was any change? Obviously, I've thought about this a bit. I can see. I mean, it's you asking me this question now in August of 2023, you're going to get a very different answer than you would have before February of 2022. I started remote viewing in 1996, and I skipped right to getting spoken words. And this was a technique called the dream voice that I learned from a guy I met online in the Richard C. Hoagland forum, he was talking about the face on Mars. Hoagland was the top guy in Art Bell. They had 20 million listeners a night. If you got on this show, you were set. You know, you could sell tons and tons of products. You, it's, it's like jackpot business, basically, right? So that wasn't why I wanted to do it. But of course, like if you could get on Art Bell and you got your 20 million listeners and you got your hot product and you push the product, bam, it's going to go crazy. So Hoagland was the top guy. I sought him out for a long time. I was on his forum. And I met a guy on the forum who had this technique called the dream voice. And he said, when you wake up in the morning and you can first still remember what your dream was, you might hear something talking and it might be like it's over on your left and there might be another one behind you. And it's kind of like there's a TV on in the other room. And if you listen to it, you can sort of kind of make out a little of what it says and you might get like half a sentence and it's going to sound weird. It doesn't make any sense. And that's perfect. Grab it just like it is word for word dictate it into your tape recorder or write it down on paper was what I did the first time. So the next morning after he taught me about this dream voice technique, I woke up and I found that I could do it and I could hear what sounded like his voice. I'd heard this stuff before. You just think it's like imagination, but you train yourself so that when your mind is totally tuned out, you learn how to receive a spontaneous impression in other words, you have to learn how to blank yourself. And then what you become aware of is, no, the thoughts that I'm having are important. You know, people think, oh, I'm supposed to meditate. I'm not supposed to have any thoughts. You get to this ground state. You get to this meditative state. And then all this data and information starts to appear in the form of visual images, emotional impressions, and words. And so a lot of times the words will also have the visual images and the emotional impressions attached to them. Mm-hmm. So I started to do this process where I'm listening to something talking and I'm writing it down and I'm following all the protocols of remote viewing, which means I don't analyze it. I don't have any emotional reaction. I don't have to pee. I don't have to go to the bathroom. I don't, I'm not hungry. I'm not thirsty. So my body is comfortable. I, uh, I'm very relaxed. I have no negative emotions. 
and I blank out my mind. You get to mind awake, body asleep. You feel like your body is stiff, like it's almost like it could float. And you get to that very, very pure consciousness. And then in that state, you start listening. And the dream voice is that you'll get these very weird sentences that don't make sense. And you want it to sound weird. You don't want it to sound like, well, hi, Danica, how are you today? You know, I mean, so the bottom line is that I dictated over 3,000 pages of this stuff between 1999 and or between 96 and 2000. And it began predicting the future with remarkable clarity. Um, the very first day that I did it, it said, one of our women, Teresa, a sibling inoperative, the Christian psychically. And then like five days later, Mother Teresa has a heart attack. And I was freaking blown away. I mean, that was the very first time I did it. And it starts to get scary after a while because every time I'd sit down to transcribe new cassette tapes, I was doing it on 90-minute cassette tapes at the time, uh, they would be describing what was happening right before I sat down, even though I dictated them, let's say, three weeks ago. So to get through a whole lot of, of story, um, I did this for four years, pretty much full time. I was always, you know, dictating, transcribing. I started to do clients. I did a total of 500 clients between 98 and 2005 or 2004. I did a tour of Japan and I had a whole bunch of clients in Japan. People were starting to get like uh, darshan off of me. I was touching people's hands and they'd get like, oh, they'd start crying and shaking and all this stuff. So weird things can happen when you give these readings to people. Um, there's a very intense cosmic presence that comes in the room as my body is speaking. When they speak, they use a lot of symbolism. They use a lot of uh, word pictures. They're always painting pictures with their words. And as a result, the experience that you have is, is hypnotic. And you get hypnotized to such a degree where you're having full visual internal visions all the time while they're talking. And, and typically another weird side effect is that uh, the, 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 I don't know what it is exactly. We're not really sure, but you always end up having to pee really bad when it's over. Maybe because your brain is overclocking or something. I'm not sure. The brain uses a lot of calories, but well, if you're, if you're channeling the good guys, which I would hope everybody would do, um, then at that point, they, what they really want from you is, is to be a good person, you know? Yeah. And if you have distortions in your personality, the biggest danger is if you're, if you're going to work with these guys and they, and they give teachings through you, and then you're going to behind closed doors, it turns out that you're a real jerk and you're yelling and you're ripping people off and your character is in deficit from what you're saying that you are. That's lethal. That could get you killed if you're doing this kind of work that I'm doing. So it, I, I, my life is on the line as wow. far as being a good person. I have to be a good person. I have mm -hmm. to be honest. I have to tell the truth. I have to not rip people off, not do criminal behavior because the stakes are so high. Uh, so just to finish this discussion about the channeling thing, I did, a, I posted this stuff beginning in 1999 is when I got a website. So all of the results that I had, I put online for the most part, there's a little bit that I didn't in 98, uh, but I have multiple forensically datable forms of that in cassette tapes. I have it in printouts. I have it in hard drives with saved files that you can timestamp. So nobody can dispute when these readings were created. 
And it was uh, in September 2021 that I remembered that there was something in the readings that said uh, that there would be a coup over the military-industrial complex and its stranglehold over UFO secrecy. A coup over the military? What the? I mean, that's just like a coup over the... How do you even have a coup over the military-industrial complex? So... You know, you get these strange words and they say all these strange things and it's like you just keep writing it down. And that was one of the things they said. And I, I'm i looking at all this and I'm like, you know, there does appear to be some kind of war going on in the world where you have Donald Trump and, and they're constantly going after this guy. They're attacking him with everything they got. And then people are like, well, is it just Trump? No, there's the, there's this group that's working with him. And so you got to think differently and say, well, is it really just this one guy or is it that there's this initiative that 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 the military is working on to safely expose and defeat the deep state and that is exactly what i believe is going on and it's it's a very complicated very intense subject but i believe the reason why we're learning all of this is because we're in some sort of information war disclosure war they never wanted us to know. The 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 insiders never wanted you to know about Lucifer, Satan. They they you know I mean they might have put it in movies here and there, but like what we're what they're doing now is an act of desperation. When you see them going out so much to advertise, this is not coming from a place of strength. They work out of deception. They work out of subterfuge. They work out of infiltration. Uh, posing as the good guy, not being honest, you know, gaining your trust, gaining control of your money, gaining control of your personal power, and then manipulating you. Because the ultimate goal of the negative is to get you to have a character change where you consciously choose to do bad things. Yeah. And if we could say a they, and they might not want to say who, I mean, I know we're talking about the Draco reptilian sort of corruption and influence but who would the they sort of faces be right now that are trying so hard to maintain this the status quo and the secrecy well you could think of it as a bank you could think of it as an organization you could think but but the the key as jacob or uncle jack you know used to say mate it's all about the vertical integration right because he's australian so he would tell me that to really understand this, you have to understand, you have to try to imagine, like, let's go back to the Swiss scientific study of Dr. James Glatfelder. And I've written about this before. In uh, he, he graduated from the Financial Institute of Technology in, in Switzerland, which is a very, very prestigious university, FIT. And they used a supercomputer and they analyzed this, and they published this paper in 2010. They analyzed a database of all the world's transnational corporations. And there's about 40,000 of them. And this was in, it's called Orbis 2007, was the name of the database. Well, it gets really crazy because what they found out was that there was this thing called a super entity. They called it a super entity. They found 136 corporations were in a super entity that earned 80% of all the wealth to be earned in the world. Familiar? Doesn't that sound familiar? 80% of all the wealth in the world can be earned by 
136 corporations who secretly control the other ones with all this disguised stuff that they had to use supercomputers to dig out. Mm -hmm. Like there's one guy on the board of directors on this company, but he's also on, he's on the banking company. He's on the media company. He's on the uh, pharmaceutical company. He's on the military company. You know, it's that kind of stuff. So, well, wait a minute. Like, what are these 136 companies? Well, three quarters of them turn out to be financial institutions. Huh. Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay. Mm -hmm. So then, then when we go back to the LIBOR scandal that broke in 2012, and I hope I'm not dropping too many keywords for our video, but you know, they found out that, and this was publicly announced, that the big financial entities were appearing to be in competition with each other when in fact they knew what their rates were going to be and it was all rigged and fixed. They were rigging the, the, the rates between these banks. Yeah. So it's like, well, that means investing is totally fake. It's all based on what they want to happen. I've always thought that the stock market and all that stuff just seems like it's just puppets, right? This goes Absolutely. up, that goes down, that goes down, bring that up. Like it's just all just a chess match to keep it in bounds. Well, yes. Yeah. So so the first step is, okay, can you can you see 136 financial entities or most of them are 136 mega corporations earning 80% of the money in the world? Can you see that? Okay. Then if you can see that, can you see that the people in these 136 companies are all friends? If they're friends, are they in a cult? Well, I mean, if you look up the definition of cult, it's going to have a lot of those things. They got like they're in, they're a group. They meet all the time. They have a secret language. They do particular activities. What lingers in this group is occultism and ritual magic. And you don't have to be in any religion to participate in Luciferianism. But that's what they're doing. And again, if you can imagine this, the people who are in these elite circles that are running these corporations are dressing up in robes and masquerade ball masks and they're having orgies and they're drinking blood from people who have been traumatized which causes hallucinations and the hallucinations are of these entities that appear in the room now i still don't really know honestly, whether uh, those things that they're seeing exist as a tangible reality or whether it's a hallucination. Um, I know there's some people who absolutely believe it's a corporeal thing, and that could be. Uh, but again, like, if you are dumb enough to do something like this, you are playing around with an entity that can kill you very easily. So when you learn about this and you learn about people who start messing around with the demonic if you have a demon that's that's on your case man it can you it can really make your life ter terrible it can just i mean this is this is something real you know so the people who play around with this like wow it's just such a it's such a stupid thing to do <laughs> because you know what but but the problem is you get into a culture and you're you're brought up in it from birth you know people this is a generational cult so you're born into it basically they've been traumatizing you in utero they'll do things that, that they believe that the psychopathic brain the split brain you know when you have a psychopath 
the criminal personality, they have two personalities. They have their normal waking personality, and that's the one that you fall in love with, and that's the one that you think you're going to marry and whatever. And then there's another one in there, which is the trauma self. And, and when you have a person with this disorder, they can appear normal, but if they get triggered, then they behave very inappropriately. And they'll act in ways that are highly selfish and, and unacceptable. And, um, you know, I studied it in college, and we can see lots of examples in the world today. So once you have this brain abnormality, like I was talking about, when your brain is psychopathic, uh, you're more apt to, well, there's a part of the brain called the striatum, which is along the central area near the corpus callosum. And this is, this, this part of the brain uh, lights up in pleasure in the minds of psychopaths when they see other people getting hurt. Isn't that interesting? We now have a scientific way to show that when huh. you have this type of a brain, you do take pleasure in violence. So, you know, these reptilians are seemingly it would you'd think they're promising them something like you say they come to, they come to fruition you see them they're like what do you want and you know it sure looks like uh we're gonna make you rich we're gonna make you famous your album's exactly. going number one whatever the thing is you've already probably found out what a big bunch of crap that is i mean famous is tough man i met all the rock stars in the 80s and none of them were happy danica i can tell you no no no, no. It, the the it's always an inside job nothing so in, in general the more you get on the outside actually the less you the less you feel good on the inside for the most part, or at least you can have a wave of that. Like I've had moments where you like get sad for it, like a little sad about something, your life. And you're like, I have everything. And you almost think in contrast to the inside, it just doesn't match. Um, so it can kind of emphasize it, but you know, well, it's funny, right? I, I call it Elvis Maryland syndrome. We're trained to think that if we hit the highest level of, of publicity, that it's like that scene at the end of the Hollywood movie where it says Danica Patrick reached 25 zillion people, you know, whoa, holy crap. She's so amazing. You know, that life actually kind of sucks. You know? And so I've spent two years doing the Paul McCartney thing, like what he did after the Beatles. I've just been living by myself alone on my land, dealing with animals and bears and turkeys and, and writing these books. And, you know, I needed to get away from it because it had hurt my brain. I had had some degree of, of damage from just being, the, just the unrelenting stress and torture. Like, you know, you reminded me years, there was years of my career where I got to sell three conference tickets at $300 a day. I got to make $1,000 a day every day. I got to watch my numbers. And if I ever start making less than $1,000 a day, I'm screwed. And I got to immediately start marketing and pushing and just like, uh oh, I got to get right back into it again. So you just feel like, you know, uh oh, they're not paying enough attention to me anymore. What do I do? Now I, hate that. I hate that stuff. You're supposed to put a swimsuit on and post the picture, okay? Oh, that's what you do. That's it. It's, it's sex sells, always has. Great. Thank you. That's, that's very helpful information. <laughs> oh, I definitely don't go to that well very often unless it naturally happens in my life, um, which isn't that often. Um, okay, well, let's moving into these books. You wrote five, is that right? Five channeled books. Well, there's five that are published, and there's seven that are going to come out all together. Yeah. Okay. So, what is this future information? Like, what did you learn about our future? 
Well, as I was saying, I got this remote viewing information from 96 to 2000. And then beginning in September 2021, I remembered that it said there was going to be a coup over the military industrial complex. Well, how's that even possible? Well, the people who are behind Donald Trump are also in possession of this UFO technology. One of the names is Majestic. And uh, Majestic 12 was the original group that was assigned over the Roswell crash. So there's been this insider war for a long time between Majestic and the Illuminati, where the Illuminati wanted to reduce population by three quarters or two thirds, whatever. I mean, I imagine you've been in a relationship with psychopath. I have too. So you, you, you've been through all this. They don't want you strong and healthy. Right. Like, when are you going to have a fight with a psychopath? You're going to have a fight with a psychopath. The most dangerous thing you can say is, I'm tired. Right? If you say, I'm tired, mm -hmm. holy shit, you could be in trouble. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to wait until you're at your weakest point. They don't, the psychopath doesn't want you healthy. They need a broken down, weakened person so that they can have control over you. So the reason why they want the Earth's population lower is that they want us they want us sick they want us fat they want us diseased they want us easily controlled because that's the habitat in which demonics could then ultimately walk among us if they could get us to go that far into evil that is their goal bill gates is bill gates the devil because he seems to be buying everything to poison us i believe that he's he's operating in on behalf of this greater cultic group whose goal is, again, they don't think they're evil. I mean, you got to understand, they look at what they're doing as some sort of benevolent step for humanity. Yeah, their Malthusian, their Malthusian doctrine is that the population bomb is going to explode and it's going to go from 8 billion to 20 billion to 50 billion and all of a sudden, bam, the whole world is gone. That's their theory. But it turns out that we have so much more natural resource here than we're using. The technology is going to be released to us, and that's why I built Stavati, co-founded co Stavati Aerospace with Christopher Beskar. We're doing those technologies. We he he worked at these classified programs with Pete Peterson, and so we can do power plants, which is uh, free energy. We we have levitation systems, so we're going to have spaceships. We have. These technologies are not, uh, they're not superstition. They're not sci-fi. They do exist. They've just been withheld from us by the national security state up right. until now. But that's changing. Um, is there a reason? Like, what is that? Can you, is there a way to put your finger on the reason why they've withheld this stuff for so long? Is it just money? I mean, it probably is just money, but is there a reason? Well, first of all, you got to see that if you have the super entity of 136 corporations is run by a cult, as I said, the cult is run by extraterrestrial evil entities. And, and so there's extraterrestrial versions of this and there's demonic versions of this. The extraterrestrials are more like flesh and blood. The demonics are more like some sort of entity thing from lower astral that you can see if you go through this particular occult ritual um, and only really under those conditions. Why would they want to hurt us? It's not really the people in these groups' agenda. It's somebody else's agenda. They're following somebody else's agenda. They're getting their benefit, which is to drink from the cup of abundance, to have all the wealth, to have all the sex, to have all the stuff they think they want. They want to drink from that cup, but you're losing your soul. 
And there, but but what we really haven't seen yet is that because there's very advanced extraterrestrials doing all this, they have it really dialed in. They are in control of a lot of what's going on here on planet Earth. This is not being run by people. This is being run by extraterrestrials. And they, their, their personality, their style, what they like is Satanism. So that's what they would like to see the Earth turn into is a satanic planet. And so they're, they're, they are putting the pedal to the metal right now because the mass awakening that we're experiencing is the opposite. We're, we're, we're taking those steps towards the Tibetan rainbow body. In other words, when the deep state tries to say that because you over here are black and you over here are white, that there's this systemic oppression and you all should be fighting each other and getting into a big civil war, that's divide and conquer. It's They're going to do everything they can to try to find marginalized groups, disenfranchised populations, people who feel like they've never, ever been treated with respect. And they want to reel you in that way. It's it's a coalition of people who were not given their respect before. Why does it seem so obvious to some and not others what's going on? Again, we get back to the idea that the human the human DNA is very, very similar to the animal kingdom. And we have all these unique behaviors and these unique uh, things that we do that are animalistic in nature. And, and the, the biggest one is follow the leader. So is there more like extraterrestrial blood and people that don't think that it's that, that, that it is obvious to like that you have a, a benevolent, benevolent entity blood? You're, you're speculating on something that I do have solid data for. Pete Peterson once told me that the, the Jesuits, the, the Catholic priest sect, I guess, that that particular sect has 25% alien DNA is what he said. The Jesuits have 25% alien DNA. But a lot of us on earth do. And he said that the more of this of this so-called alien DNA or extraterrestrial is probably a better word. They don't really want to be called aliens because most of them look like us, they're people. The more of that you have, you you just you have a faster flicker frequency. That's one of the things you you will process frames of vision faster and you cannot be brainwashed with propaganda so yeah there is definitely we you know they say that there's five different core human races that came out on earth pretty much at the same time they tried to trace it all to one mitochondrial eve where the mitochondria of one mother supposedly is everybody on earth they wanted that for the bible but you know that's mm-hmm. not what really we get we get but, five you know. unique groups. We get five groups that all popped in at the same time. And apparently, you know, we are descendants of extraterrestrial humans that were on other planets before. They crash landed here or they modified existing primates on Earth with their DNA. Right, right. And yeah, there are different types of people with different types of DNA. That makes and sense so- because it totally seems like while there's the satanic ones, the ritualistic, there's the more benevolent, there's also what. I totally feel like is like non-player characters. There's so many NPCs in the world that are happy with literally not evolving, not thinking a new thought, not going past the the just step and repeat style living, right? Where it's just the same thing every day in a non-inspiring location with non-inspiring activities. Like it just is 
so mediocre. I think a lot of that is fear. I think those people. Uh, so, so there's a very significant thing I talk about in, in Michael Prophecy's book one, and that's the sheep effect. And when you look at the fact that our DNA is evolved from prey animals to some degree, Hollywood has reinforced this programming in our minds in many, many movies. And in the movie, you have somebody hiding under the bed. And what is the lesson in every time that happens? The lesson is, God damn it, if you hadn't looked at his feet, you wouldn't have gotten killed. If you looked at his effing feet, then you get scared and you go, oh, God. And then you bump on the bed and then he pulls the bed away and wham, he starts stabbing you. With the blinders on. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, when you think about that, the sheep develop a herd instinct in which they know that the wolf is circling around the herd, but the wolf doesn't realize that they know until somebody looks at him. So whatever a-hole looks at him is the one that broke it for everybody. If you just keep your goddamn head down, and don't do anything, and don't say anything, and don't pretend that you know that the wolf is there, he won't attack you. Mm. So we have this. So so what the negative tries to do is it tries to trigger us into our trauma self, which means we're going through a heightened emotional state. We have emotional arousal. We have, we have our heart rate going up. We have the you know the kinetic feeling of butterflies on your skin. Your mm -hmm. hair is standing up. You have sweat and your pores coming out. You have an accelerated. Uh, all, all of your physiology is, is up. Your brain waves. Your heart rate. Your respiratory pattern. And then in that condition, you're in fight or flight. And what, what when you go into fight or flight, we know that the cerebrum and most of the brain is not being used. If you can keep somebody afraid, if you can keep somebody in fight or flight, they're running out of the reptilian core of their brain. I was going to say it's the reptilian brain. And they don't have the frontal lobes, which means they're not thinking in terms of morality and ethics anymore. No. Nope. So if you can keep people scared, you activate this sheep program, which says, don't you dare look at the evil, because if you do, it's going to start chasing you. Oh, and wait, it's even better than that, Danica, because if you're the a-hole who looks at the wolf, you're terrified when he starts chasing you. He, he comes at you with his teeth and everything. And so you're the one who goes into this coma where like for a few seconds you can't move. And so you're the one who ends up dying. So the animal kingdom teaches you that if you look at evil, you will die. And the sheep know this, which is why they never look at it. So what we really have here is a mass manipulation of humanity. And in order for the formula to work, they have to have the, if it bleeds, it leads. They have to keep the fear. Yeah. There has to always be something that terrifies you. Yeah. The war on terror, right? It never ends. It's just this ambiguous thing. That we're at war with. This kind of leads in, like, leads into a little bit of a conversation about this secret spaceship program and, you know, anti gravity technology and being able to fly around. And does this lead to getting off planet? Is this actually something? Is this something we need to do? Is this part of human salvation? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you an exclusive here, something that nobody's heard before. Um. Our secret space program, or whatever you want to call it, that's a good name for it, uh, they, they've already gone out there and been throughout space. And one of the things that we're going to learn 
is that there is a beautiful planet that's less than 10 light years away from us. I think it's like seven or nine light years away. And they call it the Hawaii planet. And there's a bunch of very peaceful, cool people living there, humans of different types. And it's all, the whole planet is like Hawaii. Huh. And it just, it's its just apparently like the best that you could imagine about Hawaii, but then like way better, you know? And so we already have places we can go. And the, the extraterrestrials, again, let's get back to Michael prophecies because that kind of ties it all together. When I was doing all this stuff in the 1990s, I had no idea what it was really saying because I would stay in trance when I dictated it. I would stay in trance when I transcribed it. And then when I would even like post it online, I'd make subheadings. I'd just kind of look at the words and look for some strange phrase and just make that the subheading. I wasn't even really reading it. So I never really read this stuff. And then I got busy, you know, Hoagland and I ended up working together directly. We went on a art bell together in 2004. That's when my career really started to get a lot bigger. Uh, and I got a book deal. I ended up having New York Times bestselling author twice, I had, you know, Ancient Aliens, a bunch of those shows. So I did all this other stuff and I'd forgotten about all this work that I did in the 90s until September 2021. And I saw this quote. And then in in February 2022, I really began reading this stuff. And it's talking about everything that's going on now. And what it said is that in the Bible and in these other ancient religious texts, you know, there's over 30 of them, 35 different texts, according to Santhiana von der Schen, these historians, all talking about that there's going to be the end of the world, that there's going to be, you know, some type of ELE, extinction level event, where there's like a pole shift or there's a tsunami or there's a sun gives off this big flash of heat and radiation, and we all get cooked by that. And that has happened many times on Earth. Right. Uh, there have been these types of geological disasters. We know that. We can go look at the smashed up bodies of, of sloths and giant sure. mammals like mastodons. Oh, I just you interviewed know? Randall Carlson and 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 when he dictate like gives some timeline and stuff, you're like, holy shit, it's just lucky we're here because oh yeah. It, it hasn't been that long since it was completely different and that we were wiped out. And everybody in these ancient prophecies, the vast majority of them, there's a few that kind of got around it, Islam and, and uh, Zoroastrianism pretty much. But other than those, they all kind of say the same thing. They're all expecting like some big catastrophe. The earth will reel to and fro like a drunkard, you know. Um, the, the stars fall from their positions in the sky. This implies a massive catastrophic earth movement. And if the earth moves very much, then you're going to get massive, massive hurricanes mm -hmm. that will just destroy most of the surface structures. 200 mile an hour winds. I mean, a pole shift is a very serious thing. 80, 80 foot high tsunami coming across America. Yeah, you don't want that. You know, so a super volcano goes off, right? Like Yellowstone caldera. And these are real concerns. I mean, we're looking at the world and we're saying, yeah, there's definitely things like this have happened. Yeah. And you have all these prophecies that tell us, oh, you know, we know exactly when that is going to happen. Well, no. Uh, what we're now getting from my information, Michael prophecies, is, first of all, the source is claiming to be Archangel Michael. Now, that doesn't even, the name doesn't even appear until book six, the one I'm working on right now. 
And I would have been working on it, except that when I saw that we want to do this interview, this is the first like serious interview for YouTube I've done in two years. I, <laughs> I, know. I know. That's why I started off by going, where have you been? Well, I got trapped into this archangelic thing where they need me to write these books for them and I don't have any other choice. And I had, it just took, it's just taken a really long time. But when you actually get into these books, I mean, there's five of them right now. People are reading the, the comments we're getting are phenomenal. Um, they've done something I've never seen or heard of before, which is there's prophecies of all the different things that are happening in the world today. And they do it so redundantly. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, whatever is happening with Trump, with the documents, the indictments. I mean, you name it. It's the Afghanistan thing, the Ukraine thing. They've got Zelensky in there. Everything, everything that's going on. And it's just shocking. And I, I mean, I'm going to go back and be reading it again and still find stuff I haven't seen before. So these prophecies are, are so redundant that I, I said, well, OK, I'm going to put them in red. And, you know, we got five books. So the first five books, the first four are all over 500 pages long. And then books uh, five, six, and seven are all going to be around 333 pages. So it's like over 3,000 pages in total. Uh, but every book that you pick up is going to be just totally mind-blowing. Um, so this is all I've been doing for, wow. for two years. So there's so much intellectual property or IP in this stuff that I probably have 10 years worth of movies and television shows I can make off of this now in terms of all the different things I've done and all the different rocks I turned over and all the different research I found. It's just amazing what's in this. And, and, and I wanted to be worthy of the message because what they said is, look, you guys have avoided a, a catastrophic earth change. We huh. found a way to get you to go through history without needing to have a pole shift. So the first pole shift that was prophesied was 1998, Edgar Casey, right? What they say in these books, and now we're into, I believe, book five, I think so, is that in 1998, we had the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky scandal. And the president of the United States was implicated in a sex scandal where he said, I did not have sex with that woman. And then it was proven, well, it depends on what you want to call sex, brother, you know, and kind of some things you could do with that cigar and just put it out there. But okay, then it turns out he's lying, right? Okay, he's freaking lying. God, he's lying. He did it. What they told me in these books, what they're telling us, which I really didn't even know about until last year. I mean, I remember seeing this, but not in any depth, is that if we had all hated Clinton and said he's an adulterer, he's a philanderer, he's a pervert. We need to see him not be president. We need to see him get thrown out. You know, we want to see him go to jail or we want to see him be executed, firing squad, treason, whatever. You know, if it had gone crazy like that, then we would have had a, a pole shift in 1998. Our, our planet would have been destroyed because. Mm -hmm we would have shown on a global level that we did not learn the lesson of love because we were not able to love Bill Clinton. Huh. Believe it or not. Wow. So there was a big test that we were going through in 1998 and 99. Those were the two years that really mattered where like, if we 
if we could be okay with the fact that, okay, you know what? People have infidelity. People do these things, and we're not going to say he's a demon. We're not going to say he's a monster, but we're just going to handle this responsibly. You huh. know, that's what allowed us to save our planet, believe it or not. Wow. Just the energy of the negativity would have been enough to create a pull shift. Yes, because there was a there was a grand cross astrological alignment in August 11, 1999. Oh wow. Where you have this huge cross of planets. It's like a big X formation mm -hmm. in our solar mm -hmm. system. And that energetic, I guess, would have lensed in a pole shift if we had been if we hadn't been loving enough. There's there's a, there's like a science of love. And if the love isn't high enough, you get catastrophic activity. Well, it seems like a so, frequency of energy then. So, yeah. Right? We, if, 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 we, if we were not prepared for what's coming, if we hadn't been loving enough, then it would have needed to be stopped. Yeah. Because what's happening now is that the negative is trying to establish dominion over the earth. Right, right. If the negative got its way, you're going to have reptilians basically running a prison planet and zapping you with the equivalent of electronic cattle prods, which are actually nanotech that they've put in your body. So the reason why the implant thing is so scary is, well, what if they can just electrically shock you if you don't comply and it's already inside you? Exactly. Oh shit. Okay. I'll do whatever you want. Cause I just shat myself. Oh my God. Extraterrestrials want to control the earth and they want to turn it into a, a Hades. They want to turn it into a, you know, a, a hell world. So I'll see you in Hawaii. Not the Hawaii right now because they have a bit of a problem, but the planet Hawaii, the Hawaiian planet. Oh, we're doing that. I mean, you know, we, we, we half jokingly, half non-jokingly talked about like evacuation plans, but we don't need to evacuate. That's the point. We're, we're going to get this planet back. You know, because what the what the Michael prophecies tells us is that because we have learned our lessons, we've been forgiving enough, we've been spared the earth changes. And instead, these entities, these angelic beings allowed the whole COVID thing to play out. So as as tragic and disgusting and completely insane as the whole covid package is with all of the different layers that you can go into with it that whole thing that they did which is now being exposed saved us from a pole shift saved us from a catastrophic end of the world and it's explained in great detail in the michael prophecies everything about covid everything about there's so many dreams i had about sickness and disease and, you know, there was one dream where everybody in New York was sick and the, and the garbage bags were piled over with medical waste, you know. And so I didn't want to create that reality. So, like, when I saw that there was all these kind of indications that some disease pandemic would happen in the future, in the 1990s, when I'm seeing that, I'm like, I don't want this. I don't want this to be true. So I kind of just, you know, left it alone. But then when you come back to it and you start reading it and you're like, oh. Wow. So they're saying that, you know, if if we hadn't have learned our lessons that, you know, during the Clinton time, we would have lost our planet. But now it, 
the 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 Grand Cross of August 11th, 1999, that alignment, one of the things that happened really close before then is we lost John F. Kennedy Jr. And it was a dodgy thing, man. It's like, wait a minute. What's going on? This guy's plane, like he crashed in perfectly good weather, but he's a great pilot. And you're telling me that he, he couldn't fly his plane? Like, so it, it appears that was airplane sabotage, you know? And I was all into it back then. I was all over the JFK thing, JFK Jr. So that and then 9-11 in September 2001, these events actually saved our planet because like when JFK Jr. got assassinated, I could tell it wasn't just a random crash. It's like, well, they don't want him to run against George W. Bush. And apparently one of the intel leaks was that he had talked to somebody on the phone and said he's going to run for president. And that's when they got him, you know because they don't want a Kennedy being in the presidency again. So there's this very interesting thing that's happened where there's two realities that people now live in on earth. There's the reality that you're supposed to believe in. And then there's truth and they've never been more different. So what's the timeline then on um, timeline for where we get the planet back or we shift or transition into this more benevolent space, this more positive place where we have the reptilian negative influence away from us? Also then for like truly off planet technology, like what do you think the timeline is for those two things? So Michael prophecies, again, you know, you got 3,000 pages already, and there's so much data in these books, and they go into great detail. I mean, there's really never been anything like this. And so they have very specific answers for that. It appears that maybe even before the end of this year, or definitely sometime early next year at the latest, but sometime in the near future, the very near future, you're looking at things happening now in the news that are building up to something. And I think people are really afraid of that. Like, well, you know, Every time that something bad happens to Biden, they got to indict Trump again, right? That's part of what we're seeing. It's like, well, isn't that strange? Okay, well, why would they be going after Trump so much? And what is it that they're trying to stop from happening with these other things that are happening to Biden? You know, what happens if, okay, well, yeah, now we're acknowledging, right? He did it. He did these bad things. Okay. Well, it's what they're really worried about is, are people going to figure out the game? You know, like like in the classic case of the carnival, the carnival is a very wonderful analogy of what the world is like under the deep state. And it's very fascinating. When you go into a carnival, everybody in the carnival is part of a secret group that works together. So like if you have wrestlers in the carnival and they pretend to hate each other, you have the face and you have the heel. The job of the heel is to get the crowd as angry as possible without throwing their chairs. So they'll insult your town. They go up there. They're supposed to be hated. The job of the face is to tell your town, tell you that your town is great. And then they have the staged wrestling match. It's all fake. So nobody actually gets injured. And uh, the, the face ultimately wins. And then people bet on him and they feel good, but they won money, you know. But in fact, you're just the one making all the money and you stage the whole thing. So the carnival would have a main attraction. It would either be the, usually the wrestling match or the girl show. So the wrestling match has a lot to do with politics. There's a face and a heel. The girl show is pornography. Uh, there would be a woman who would who would come out and would, um, you know, do a striptease type of dance 
And then she'd have a bottle and she'd say, if you guys want to see me dance with this bottle and nothing else, you got to pay more and come into the back room. And then that would be, you know, a more erotic thing that would happen. So they're basically doing uh, prostitution. Um, so that was a common element of the carnival, organized sex trafficking. And then you also have the snake oil salesman. You have a guy out there who's got like literally snake oil and he says it's going to make you healthy. That's where that comes from. But what we don't understand necessarily is that every every event in the carnival is rigged. None of them actually are fair. So when you come into the carnival, if you have a lot of money and the guy that's at the ticket counter sees that, they tap you on the shoulder and you get a mark. You're now the mark. That's where that comes from. You have a huh. chalk mark on your shoulder. And you'll go around and like, okay, so let's give an example. There's an event where you're supposed to take a hammer and hit the thing, right? And then it goes up and yeah. rings the bell. Yeah. So what the guy does is he's got this cable in his hand and he leans in like this. And so they'll have like a child come up and hit the thing. And if you leave the cable untouched, if you leave it loose, any child can hit the bell, right? And then they know you're the mark because they see the chalk on your on your shoulder. So they see you coming around. And and then they'll make it really easy. They'll give out several wins even, maybe three wins. Huh. And you come up and then they lean on the cable. And when he leans in on the cable, he's just standing like this now. You'll never, ever, ever be able to hit that thing. Even the strongest man, you're going to hit it as hard as you can. It's never going to hit the bell. Okay. So that's one example. Another example would be like when you're shooting the balloons with the dart gun. They'll give you a gun that shoots down and to the left. Or huh. some of them gun will even change how it shoots wrongly. So even if you learn the gun, the gun keeps changing. Uh, you got the one where there's a like a roulette wheel, right? And and the roulette wheel, you can you can magnetize a particular uh, thing on the wheel so that the ball's going to roll there. So you know the person can't win. So everything like that is rigged. And the goal, again, you know, they, they have this thing they call the kayfabe, which is um, the, the wrestlers speak to each other in this carnival speak, where they take the word and they kind of jumble it around. So be fake becomes kayfabe. So like, for example, the wrestler, like the, the face is never supposed to be seen acting friendly around the heel. So like Hulk Hogan should never be seen hanging out with Andre the Giant. You don't want those guys in WrestleMania yeah. hanging out drinking a beer. They hate each other. Right. They hate each other, right? So, of course, it's like it's all staged and the movements are staged. Yeah. And the objective is to, you know, create this entertainment. But um, when we look at this and then we apply it to what's happening with the deep state, the the public is now becoming aware of this type of an analogy that like wait a minute it just seems like everything is a scam everything is a ripoff everything is a lie yeah. nothing is true yeah you know and so the the carnival is like a little petri dish of what happens when you have a psychopathic business that wants to run it this way where everybody is being deceived simultaneously and it was a common element that the carnivals would eventually get exposed. People would figure out what they were doing and they would get run out of town. And, you know, because the public would realize that, you know, none of these, none of these games can be won. They're just taking our money. Well, I'm excited of the timeline for sure. Uh, I'm going to ask one last question. You've been so generous with your time and your stories and your honesty. 
You said to ask about Saint Germain. Is there a story about Saint Germain? Oh wow, yeah, that's a good one. So in the 1700s, there was a human being who showed up, and he seemed to have never aged. You might meet him in 1730, and you might meet him again in 1770, and he looks exactly the same. Uh, he met directly with Benjamin Franklin, George Washington. We know for a fact he met with Franklin, and. Saint Germain also met with Voltaire, the legendary inventor. Voltaire wrote a letter on his deathbed where he where he said to Saint Germain, uh, maybe someday you will visit me again in your marvelous flying machine. And then Voltaire wrote a book called Micromagos, which is the first ever science fiction story in human history that was ever written. Micromagos was the title about extraterrestrials who come to the Earth and orbit the planet to see if there's intelligent life here. And in the illustration that Voltaire commissioned for this book in 1787, the craft that the beings fly here in in Micromagos is a flying saucer. So there's a 1700s illustration of the same flying saucer that we're seeing in the world today. Yeah. So it appears that St. Germain, uh, he could write with both hands. He could write a poem in one hand and a legal document in the other hand at the same time. He was a composer. He played piano. He played violin as well as Paganini, apparently. He could take multiple small diamonds, put them in his hand, hold his hand like this, and turn them into one large diamond. He could take a silver coin and turn it into a gold coin. He's an alchemist. And best of all, it appears that he was in cahoots with Benjamin Franklin and that he was there on July 4th, 1776, in the room and gave a speech that led to the signing of the Declaration of Independence, led to them giving up their fear. And finally, in 1840, some Masonic organization found the secret transcript of the speech. And so in book four, I have St. Germain's speech that he uh-huh. gave right before they signed the Declaration of Defense, the real one. And that's amazing, too, because he's got COVID prophecies in it. Stop At it. one point in St. Germain's speech, which led to them signing the Declaration of Independence, he says, he says, old man, now bear your arm. And it's exactly like somebody getting a vaccination. Wow. So. There's some very, very interesting stuff there. So if anybody in your audience wants to read these books, there's so much more. We're only scratching the surface. Uh, it's at thedisclosure.com. So that's the website. We did an event before called The Disclosure. It was a video event. We are going to do an event around Michael Prophecies as well. I don't know when this is going on. I mean, hopefully soon. But, you know, once we get it out there, I'm going to have a video course with Michael Prophecies as well. We don't have it yet. But right now, um, I'm doing a very, very good deal on the books where you get it at a very low price. And again, any one of them you can pick and start with. The one I probably love the most right now is book four, because I've gone through ETs in the Bible. There's so many quotes in the Bible that reference flying saucers. I go through the whole thing with Ezekiel's wheel. Lots of stuff about UFO contact in different cultures. It's just an amazing ride. And it also really helped me get back on my feet after two years of being out of the circuit like this. Yeah. Wow. Well, you've been hard at work on bringing us more truth. That'll truth will set you free, as they say. So thank you. 
Thank you so, so much. Like I've been so excited to talk to you for so many years. And the fact that I'm the first one that you've talked to in a couple of years, is just honestly such an honor and grateful for your work and your dedication. And I'm so glad that you have some identification of like all of the things that you've been pushing so hard for with UFOs and extraterrestrials. And the fact that it's you know, you, you know, you've been, you've been working so hard and sacrificing your own time and life really for this truth. I'm glad that you can say, I told you so. Well, thank you, Danica. And I I just want to thank you for how much you're versed in the subject material. Honestly, it's, it was a really great interview because of the depth of your passion for the subject. Go get the books and We'll wait for that flying crap. I'll drive. I'm. Can I call it a driver or am I a pilot? I don't know. For the yeah, I was thinking cars. of that. You know, we uh, once we have. I mean, we're supposed to be one year away from working hover car prototypes, and and you know, I want you to see that. I want you to see that hover car ride. Oh my god, I want to see that. I want to perhaps see if I can learn how to drive that. Yeah, I mean, that's what we're going to be doing. You know, this is going to change the whole world. We have a way to mass produce hover cars. We're going to 3D print the bodies out of volcanic basalt material. They're going to be affordably priced, you know, maybe $30,000. So it's going to, we're going to try to make it so that people will be able to get a car, you know, and and President Trump came out with Agenda 47, where he took the stuff that I'm doing with Stavati Aerospace, and he made it like they're creating 10 new cities in America. They're going to build power plants, hover cars, all this stuff that I was talking about is going to be done on a much larger level. Creation of new cities. And so, like, yeah, I'm very, very excited. I mean, Michael is telling us that within two years, we're going to have this consciousness activation that changes the way that our minds and bodies function on the most basic level. We're going to be more telepathic. It's like everybody becomes a shaman. Amen. We're we're all going to get this whether we know it or not in within two years. Oh. (laughs) Amen. Thank you very much. I'm very excited. Thank you, Danica. Go really feed the animals now. It's time to go feed the animals. Yes. And thank you for being pretty intense. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.